Welcome to 93.94, a music podcast with Travis Roy. I appreciate you being here. Today on the show, I have none other than my very own older brother, Judd Roy. I've talked about him on the show a lot. He is obviously a huge influence on me in my life, as if you have any older siblings, you two can contest, particularly when it comes to music. I was fortunate that he got into some pretty cool stuff. He hung out with an older kid down the street, Eric Freeman. Again, as I've mentioned on the show, there was a pretty great radio station, 89X, coming out of Windsor, Canada, that made it to our neighborhood in rural suburban southeast Michigan. So he was able to get into that and got me into that. And you're going to hear him talk about the people in his life that influenced him that in turn went on to influence me, you know, that chain of connections of people, whether they're currently in your life or not, the indelible imprint of the friends that you've had and how they can have ripple effects on the lives of people tangentially related to those friends. My brother is a former Marine and he lives on the other side of the country from me and he has for a really long time. So while of course we talk, we're just not really like phone guys, although we do it because, you know, how else are you going to do it? And we're not ordinarily video chat guys, but it was really nice doing this with him because after we talked to Bad Religion for a while, we just sat and talked for hours over video chat, which was nice. So here is me and Judd Roy talking about the quintessential 1993 punk album, I think. I don't know that there's a bigger album in the punk rock world, at least in my opinion, than Bad Religion's Recipe for Hate. This is the nut kicker. This is the long finger to the government and society. Fucking Bad Religion, man. Here we go. Hey, brother. How's it going? It's me. Hello, brother. Actual brother. Brother. <laughs> How's it going? Can you hear me? I got headphones with a microphone. Good yeah, microphone. I think you should give those a shot. You sound really echoey. Okay. Yeah, these are Bayer Dynamic headphones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is... That's a dream for a podcaster. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I went and I did a tutorial for game design long time ago and uh i had to go up to like santa monica mm-hmm. and they had all these bare dynamic stuff i was like man this stuff is good <laughs> i'm gonna get one <laughs> and this is what you use when you're gaming gaming or uh working with co-workers at work tell the people what you do uh i work on video games i'm a video game artist uh, ever since i was a kid i always wanted to work in art and always told uh i'd starve and as you can see, I am not starving. <laughs> <laughs> you are alive. That is true. I am alive. Is there a so. specific game that you're associated with? I work on Rocket League mostly. It's a stock car type of game. And uh, I've made some cars. I made wheels, <laughs> hats. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's a super <laughs> fun game. Car hats. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, most of the time it's fun. Other times it's a job, but you know. That's the problem with work. It's always work. Yeah. Tell the good people how you and I know one another, Judd. One day I was just, you know, living my best life, probably <laughs> riding on a Hot Wheel or something. And mom and dad bring home this cute kid with a huge head. Still a huge head. Don't worry. <laughs> Never grew into it. But yeah, man. <laughs> yep, it was you, me, and Carly, always three of us palling around. That's right. You and I both had those big bowl cuts. We did. We did. 
you were a big influence on me in music, well, obviously in a ton of ways, but musically speaking, uh, you and Carly, your younger, my older sister, Carly introduced me to The Cure, and she liked the Violet Femmes a lot too, but you liked the Femmes more, and you got me into <laughs> Morrissey and The Smiths, and uh, or maybe Carly is kind of, all three of us, I guess, were kind of into that stuff really early on. Uh, middle school, I was really into The Cure, Pesh Mode, yeah. Morrissey, all the uh, depression type of music because it was middle school. And that is, if there is hell, that is hell. <laughs> it's a very mopey time period. Yeah. Then I met Dominic and things changed. You met Dominic and Bill, another friend of yours from that era. And I guess they kind of pulled you out of the mopey new wave stuff into the punk rock. Or did you lead them down that path? I met Dominic awesome guy in middle school and we were both kind of like outcasts mm -hmm. like i remember waiting to be picked up from middle school and seeing this taller kid with long hair skateboarding outside of middle school and i was like i used to skateboard that looks like fun i'm not on the football team anymore i feel like uh, i've been ostracized you know mm -hmm. and i'm gonna make friends with this guy which is completely not my default mechanism i'm very introverted I'm the elusive and alluded to brother. <laughs> People are like, oh, yeah, he exists. <laughs> and Sherry's the same way. People that I work with think she's a hired actor. Your wife. Yeah. For those at home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saw him out there and I made a point to be friends with him. And he was very accepting and we started skateboarding. And I think I was influenced heavily by his music choices. Mm -hmm. And then maybe a year or so later, Bill came to me and was like, I'm done with the football team. I want to hang out with you guys. I was like, hey, Bill. <laughs> all right. Sure. All right, man. You can skate and be punk rock. Yeah. I used to hang out with him when in like third grade. And uh, I always respected that kid, man. He always didn't take crap from anybody. He was a good guy. Yeah. But um, I mean, he could be confrontational. I was talking about this when Dave was on the show the other day, talking about Tool. Dominic and Bill were my other honorary older brothers that got to pummel me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overall, my experiences with both of them were really good, though. So by the time 1993 came around and this album came out, American Jesus was the first single. I remember seeing that video on 120 Minutes and liking it and that kind of stuff. But you were already into Bad Religion when this album came out because you were, had been into, uh, what's that first album called? Like How Could Hell Be Any Worse is the first album. Yeah, How Could Hell Be Any Worse, that's what it's called. The first album I was introduced to was Generator. And I'm that type of person where, same with one of the 3D modeling programs I was introduced to, school it's like the first thing i'm introduced to that i like if that's the og that's yeah. the one that i always go back to that's know? how i work too generator is still my favorite album of theirs probably because i played it constantly and it was the first one i was introduced to and i was introduced to that because um dominic bought a 411 video magazine okay it was like a vhs tape that we bought from metro trend okay the skating company well, it was a skating store skating in store. Waterford. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you lived at that place practically. I, yeah, I was always at like, Atomic Comics and you were over at Metro Trend. <laughs> yeah, I was at Metro Trend. We got our clothes there. We got our skateboards there. We got, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. And videotapes and, and skateboarding videotapes. Sorry. Oh, so it, like it was a skating tape. It wasn't like a music videotape. 
No, it was a skate tape, which turns out those skate tapes introduced me to so many bands, Primus, Melancholin, stuff like that. I remember those skating tapes. Those skating tapes were a lot more of an influence on my life than I realized. Yeah. Thinking back now, uh, musically, I mean, I got into Cat Stevens from a skating tape. Yeah. Remember? It? Yeah, that was in um, Plan B. And then there was the Camp Kill Yourself stuff that was literally CKY came out of that whole, you know, and Jackass came out of that and all that stuff that you you and Bill yeah. and, and Dominic were into. So, yeah. So the, he brings back this uh, skate tape. Luckily, they were like, cheap skate tapes the 411 they put them out like every month yeah they were like, like flimsy that. cassettes i do remember yeah they're really flimsy right and uh, dude i think uh songs from how could hell be any worse came on and i was like what what is this this isn't like pennywise i mean pennywise was really good mm -hmm. too i was introduced to him through that but you know when i thought of punk i thought of like sid vicious and i thought of um like the circle jerks, which are great. Yeah, but that was like first and second wave punk. This is something right. They, these guys, Bad Religion helped kind of bring in that new wave of punk. I guess it's like the third or fourth wave along with Lagwagon. I feel like they were really uh, effective and kind of shifting things oh, yeah. out of the kind of dirty, grimy punk and into more uh, melodic punk and more uh, polished punk. Yeah, their melodies and their lyricist, Greg, just amazing and the vocabulary it just really made you think after each song and um i remember hearing that being just like blown away and just this is punk sometimes it's clunky though i got a line here from struck a nerve written by greg graffin is every day i wander in negative disposition as i'm bombarded by superlatives every day i wander in negative disposition I'm Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've always never really felt uh, very intelligent. So maybe listening to this stuff, I was like, "Oh, I'm hanging out with smart guys, and they're kind of like me." <laughs> you know, Greg Graffin and Brett Gerwitz are a huge influence on me lyrically speaking. Oh yeah, especially when it comes to soapboxing. Just like, hey, I've got a message, and I'm gonna fucking tell it. Oh, definitely. I didn't realize how influential Brett Gerwitz was. Yeah. Like, I knew he was in charge of Epitaph. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that because of those skate videos, I guess the message had gotten out that Epitaph and Brett was not going to charge these new budding um, board sports that was emerging, like snowboarding was emerging. Right. So they were letting them use the, the licensed material. Yeah. Smart. So board sports was like starting to become really popular. Mm -hmm. Like you remember Warp Tour came from it and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Apparently they all figured out like we want to make these videos. We want to put music to them, but we don't have the money to pay for licensing. Mm -hmm. Apparently the word got out that Brett was like, yeah, you can use any of our labels music. For free? For free. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was so smart. It was. So that's why you see Epitaph stuff on so much stuff. And you were speaking earlier about Cat Stevens, that Plan B questionable, and it was in 1992. Dominic and I watched that one religiously. I remember. That one had the Cat Stevens in it. And that one also had the Generator Bad Religion song. During the Danny Way skate, he was like this big vertical skater like Tony Hawk uh -huh. on ramps, which I could not do very well. But his music choice was the one I was like, I have to get Bad Religion because I, I was introduced to it on 411's mm -hmm. magazine issue two, and I was impressed. But that one, I was like, that was a generator clip. I was hooked, man, at that one. And as you know, we watched that one constantly, and I had Cat Stevens, and it introduced me as well to Cat Stevens and Ned's Atomic Dustbin. And one of the first CDs I ever got was Godfather. <laughs> it's funny because 
starting this podcast so far, talking to people and my own experiences, 89X, the radio station in our area, and 120 minutes comes up a lot. But skate videos, this is the first time they've come up, but rightly so. They, I'm glad that they've come up because I feel like they don't get enough credit. Just thinking about the 90s in general, and I never skated. Of course, I was close to that because of you. I was, yeah. I was like on the periphery of that and some other friends that skated as well. But I mean, I knew a lot of people that didn't skate and we would still just hang around and like watch skate videos, play video games and listen to punk rock as time went on or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, so they should get more credit. Yeah. By listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, I know he's going to ask a question and be like, well, how'd you come into hearing about bad religion? Of course. And like, you know, if someone were to ask me that question about Stone Temple Pilots, I'd probably just say 89X, right? right? But with bad religion, no, it wasn't that. I feel like back then, music was more like uh, finding different music that wasn't mainstream was like coming across an urban legend, you know? <laughs> I would run into a guy that would be skating at a bank in Brighton that I didn't know who'd be blasting music from his car and it'd be like no effects or something like mm -hmm. that. And I'd be like, who is this? You know, I didn't hear that stuff later on, uh, maybe on 120 minutes or headbangers ball later on. Yeah. But a lot of that stuff, it was just like, you kind of came across it in the wild. You know, I mean, we didn't have a uh, quick, easy access to phones and Spotify or other types of ways of finding music quickly and easily. And, mm tasting that music and listening to it really quickly and be like, oh, that's for me or that's not for me. And I think you mentioned once before, like you wouldn't know until six months or a year later that a, a band you really loved had put out an album because, you know, it's not like we we're on forums or anything. <laughs> right. And it's funny because also at that time, pop culture, you know, mainstream music was really fucking good. I mean, Pearl Jam's 10 and Nirvana's Nevermind and stuff like that. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails Broken. This stuff was on the top of the airwaves. And so you were getting yeah. bombarded with really, really good music. But as you say, like there was so much out there that even the stuff that we look back now and be like, oh, this was, this was amazing, like Nirvana or whatever. It was mainstream at the time. You don't want to listen to the same thing as everybody else around you. Is if you're of a certain mentality, you want to dig deep and you want to like find these weird conduits to new different kinds of genres and stuff, which I'm thankful you did. I mean, my friends got me into punk rock too. I was kind of slow getting into punk rock. I got into ska before that, but like for a while there was like bad religion, lagwagon, and no effects were Judd bands. You know, they were like I liked them, but they were yours. They weren't <laughs> yeah. mine yet. They became mine. And this is one of the albums that helped make Bad Religion mine. Um, this is the first album that I really got into of theirs. Like I said, Generator is my favorite. This was the one that was really the um, the introductory album for me. Oh, okay. That's really cool. It's, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned Nirvana and Pearl Jam and things like that. I recently found out that Eddie Vedder <laughs> is, sings backup vocals. Yeah. Worth mentioning, and the uh, second verse of "Let It Die," I think, or uh, yeah, "Watch It Die." Watch it die. Yeah, that's one thing. I was just like. You wouldn't think those two would match, but he sings differently for that song. You don't notice it, but it's cool fact. You hit the nail on the head there. You don't really notice it. I did not realize for, I don't know, fucking decades that that was Eddie Vedder singing that second verse. Yeah, same. And he sings backup same. vocals on American Jesus, too, which you can't hear yeah. him on there. But it's wild how 
well, he blends right into that band. It's like, holy shit, Eddie Vedder could have literally taken over. Right. He sounds a lot more like Greg Graffin than you ever would have thought. Yeah, and this was made before Pearl Jam got big, but apparently... No, it was after 10. Oh, yeah, was it? Between 10 and Versus. Oh, okay. I saw an interview a while ago, and it was like Greg Graffin was talking about how, well, you know, he was a fan, and he was in L.A. at the time, so I just asked him to come, you know, <laughs> do some vocals, you know? Actually, Versus, versus yeah. may have already been recorded. Like, I thought that maybe he was in the studio at the same time, and they just kind of, like, bumped into each other. But nope, literally, buddies... Like, hey, and you know, Eddie Vedder doesn't get enough credit, I think, for his hyper-politicized lyrics, especially early on. He has a lot to say, and yeah. uh, it makes sense that he would appreciate bad religion. That does make sense, yeah. It's also worth mentioning that Jeanette Napolitano from Concrete Blonde sings backup vocals on, uh, on Struck a Nerve, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I honestly saw that, and I could not remember a song from Concrete Blonde. Remember Joey and, and Everybody Knows? They covered Leonard Cohen's Everybody Knows, which was oh, okay. And they, they did. Yeah. Joey. Joey was like their big hit. But uh, yeah, so let's get more into the music of the album itself. You got a gun right. to your head. What is the song that you like the most? Oh, let's see. I really like My Poor Friend Me, Looking In, and Don't Pray On Me. Those three are like... Oh, that, that little section of the album. That section. Yeah. Like I for some reason, I really like those. I think I'm going to go with Don't Pray On Me. I had a feeling you were going to say that one. Why? Why is that number one? As you know, Bad Religion was like was definitely the default soundtrack for my life back then. They really expressed how I felt about religion and society at the time. Mm-hmm. And that song, it just feels like it just like spoke to my soul. But I do remember being like, that's the one I listened to quite a bit. Those three. Mm-hmm. I'll usually jump to those. And back then, I was also more concerned about not listening to mainstream stuff. Yeah. And this album started to really grab in more listeners, probably because of American Jesus and mm-hmm. that hit. So I didn't quite listen to this one as much as I wanted to. I mean, as much as I should have. You're a teenager, right? You're I was doing a teenager. That, you're doing that thing. Yeah. That stupid thing. Yeah, but I it's it such a great album. It's such a great album that when I do listen to that album, it's usually those three songs that I really turn it up. Bad Religion as a band, their logo and everything, it made it okay for us in a way to voice an anti-Christian stance. Right. Or even just like a non-Christian stance, which was difficult given our background and given societies, uh, what have you. But also that song, it gets into some historical stuff in an interesting way. Like it criticizes JFK's actions in Vietnam, which you did not hear that kind of talk. You still don't hear people criticize JFK's role in Vietnam nearly enough, which kind of connects to the first song, you know, Recipe for Hate. The whole point of that song is like, hey, history is being taught wrong and it's literally making people, it's making our country worse. It's making society worse. That song is so great. After 
you asked me what the song, I named those three. I was going to blow you away by saying <laughs> Recipe for Eight. <laughs> and it's a good album opener, too. Yeah, it is. My personal favorite, though, is Skyscraper. Is it? Yeah, Skyscraper is my favorite. I'd have to say Skyscraper is a good one. I just got done listening to it. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame you. It's really catchy. It's very it's catchy. Really so they can't climb at all. I knew back in the day that Greg Reffin and Mr. Brett were co-writers uh, for mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize that it was a lot, like half and half. Like half the songs are written by Brett. And they're great songs, you know. Kerosene is by him as well. I think he wrote Don't Pray On Me, too, actually. He did, yeah. yeah. Kerosene and, like, Man on a Mission, there's these weird kind of almost country vibes. There's some weird experimentation going on in this album yeah. that you don't really hear before or since, at least not that I'm aware of. I definitely tuned out after Stranger Than Fiction or Grey Race around there. Yeah, that's the time I tuned out. And that, coincidentally, that's also the time that Brett was working... Yeah. Very heavily in, in Epitaph. And uh, I think Bad Religion was signed to uh, Atlantic. Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of declined in his absence. I know he's come back. Yeah, he has. It really shows you how much that collaboration between Brett and Greg brings to that band. That's a great point. Good dynamics, you know. There's Blender and Fry, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Martin and Lewis. Chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there a song on the album that you think is like an unheralded classic? You know, one that doesn't get enough attention? Modern Day Catastrophists. They're the modern day catastrophists. 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 Okay, talk to me about it. Uh... I like the way it sounds. Okay. <laughs> and it, talk about a mouthful. And I like the lyrics. Yeah. I love Greg's vocabulary. As a young kid, just hearing music about uh, vapid type of lyrics, you know, that you'd hear on mainstream stuff. Picked up a girl who we went on a date. I'm the best. Woohoo. Woo me. You know? There's none of that here. No. I mean, he's like dichotomy, <laughs> demonstrative. He's like saying words that I'm like, these things are not words I know. I need to look these up. Yeah. And I don't know, modern day catastrophist, every time I hear it, I'm just, I always think about it afterwards. That was the song that confuses me most on this album, lyrically speaking, because I write all the lyrics. I don't necessarily do that for every one of these shows, sit down and read all the lyrics, but these are different kind of lyricists, Mr. Brett and Greg. Yeah, they and are. Th- the song modern day catastrophists seems to be him complaining about people warning him about climate change and too much pollution. Oh, is it? That's what it seems to be. I could be wrong, and I'm, maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but that's what it sounds like he's complaining about to me. I would be surprised, seeing as their newest album is, uh, I think, from 2019, is basically like their response to Trump. And, and he's an evolutionary biologist, Greg Raffinett, oh, yes, so he knows he a thing or two about the environment. Yes, he's a professor at Cornell or something like that. Or I read his book. It was really interesting. Oh, yeah. I'd like to read that. It's good. 
But yeah, so that kind of threw me a little bit, but it could be that I'm not fully grasping it. Because that song, American Jesus, there's a few songs on here that are highly satirical, and he's writing from like someone else's perspective. Oh. So it's kind of hard to suss that one out for me. What would you right. say if you have to? And you don't have to, because maybe this is a perfect album for you. But do you have any criticisms? Is there like a least good song on the album? I'd definitely say Kerosene. Is the least good? Yeah, just because of, it feels trivial. and um, Really? It's about homelessness? Uh, see, that's the thing. Like, um, nowadays, we have Spotify that will show you the lyrics of things <laughs> of the internet. Back yeah. then, I was like, he's just rhyming about a heating element. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's one of the more basic songs, lyrically speaking, I guess. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Thank you. It's, yeah, that's a good point. I hope we cut a bunch of this out when you use your big brain to describe what I'm actually saying. Well, I'm leaving that in for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, push back on you a little bit. My least favorite song in this album is actually My Poor Friend Me. Oh, really? To me, it just sounds incongruous with the rest of the album a little bit, which is funny because you think I would say that about something like Man on a Mission because it's like a fucking country song. But <laughs> also, maybe I need to, again, maybe I need to reread the lyrics on that one. And that was also maybe one I didn't understand because it almost sounds like uh, they're not a band that deals with ordinarily that deals with like angst and inner turmoil and like woe is me kind of stuff and that kind of seems to be but maybe i'm taking it too much on its face value it's my poor friend me a portrayal of the great dichotomy no i mean I, everyone has their opinion and that's fine I'd say that one of the reasons it's uh, one of my favorites now is because I'm older. Mm. I hear what he's saying. And I'm like, of course I know him. He's me. You know, like uh, <laughs> Obi Wan there. You yeah. know, like <laughs> I knew what you're going for. <laughs> yeah. The older I get, the more that song I think sings to me. I guess. Like gotcha. I kind of understand. Like, yeah, you know, I am getting older. Yeah. A lot of the friends I used to have when I was younger are not there anymore. I have less friends, but they're quality friends. You know, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, makes sense. I will also apologize. As you probably know that I will be tapping and banging and following beats. And mm -hmm. as far as lyrics and things like that, I never seem to really remember them very well, or especially in names of songs. Waking up this morning, I came downstairs and uh, making my coffee, and I'm listening to Infected on Stranger Than Fiction. Okay. And Sherry comes down, and she's making her coffee, and she's singing it along with me. And, you know, she remembers every lyric every song and i'm like what song was that and she, you know she hasn't been thinking about this podcast and she was like oh that was infected she's much like you in that uh she loves music and that she retains that information one of the things i like about doing this podcast so far is being reminded about the different ways that people approach music there's no right or wrong or good or bad way of doing it just everyone has like the different reasons that something appeals to them and different ways that they zoom in on something so I forgive you. You apologized in classic <laughs> Judd Roy fashion. You apologized unnecessarily about something that you did oh, yeah. not need to apologize for. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it sounds like this is an album that you put down for a while in your life, right? Like this isn't something that stayed in regular rotation for you. No. Yeah. I put it down, especially in those teenage years. I do remember having the cassette, but yeah, I remember putting it down and really 
trying things like against the grain and going back further in their so fucking uh, catalog good. yeah yeah i love against the grain so much oh yeah so many great ones and regardless of the art of no control i mean it looks <laughs> the, the cover art yeah the cover <laughs> art which is very important to an artist like me unappealing it, it yeah. was really great as well but one thing that was impressive about bad religion was the fact that they always put out an album like one every year for like eight years or something like that just cranked them out when i got introduced to them, i was like holy crap who is this and i didn't get stuck to one album like i had so much to delve into yeah that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun for me i'd say that you hit the two albums and then this the three albums i have kind of kept in regular rotation my whole life have been generator against the grain and recipe for hate and that's pretty much it i don't really color too much outside of those three to be honest right stranger in fiction when it came out but those three are the ones i really really go to did you ever get a chance to see them live i did good <laughs> I did see them live once tell me about it you tell me you weren't with me when i saw him <laughs> i saw him with unwritten law and blue meanies and i would think hmm, it was uh it was on the gray race tour i think but it was somewhere in the late 90s it was okay. great it was great blew me I away i believe i went around the stranger than fiction time because i believe i went with sherry and dominic and um that would have been 94 95 yeah it was probably around 94 i have a hard time remembering concerts i have a hard time remembering everything as you know i have a hard time remembering <laughs> anything the men in our family have the memories of fish yes and i am the fish with the smallest memory <laughs> but um the fishiest memory <laughs> fishiest the fishiest boy but uh i just remember being extremely impressed that they sounded so good live yeah. yeah it was insane to hear the vocals and the melodies and the harmonizing in person mm -hmm. however i loved them so much i think that might have been the concert that really gave me the pet peeves about concerts about hearing everyone else sing the song around me <laughs> when i'm here to hear the actual artist and everyone around you is constantly screaming at the top of their voice the lyrics i don't go to concerts very often because of that <laughs> <laughs> you've pointed out before but i'd like to reiterate to the listeners my brother does not like the people <laughs> <laughs> i love people like five of, people. Them, you know? yeah, five, five of them <laughs> more than that but you know i'm definitely someone that has been very guilty of sing-alongs and this is a band that's very much a sing-along kind of band i think that we're both probably glad that we saw them in their heyday though oh yeah to be able to see them when they were at the top of their form was pretty great yeah i wish that we would have had the opportunity to see them more but they're an la based band and they you know they hit all the coasts and all the other countries and we're michigan that's true but uh we we're lucky to have been able to see them in michigan all right so i got i got a few more questions for you one right. being uh what is your outro song for your interview with me here what do you want to go out on when this is over don't pray on me Okay, don't pray on me. That'll be your, your outro song. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on about this band or any memories that you have specifically tied up with this that you, we haven't addressed yet? I think uh, being around this band and hearing it, like even our mother has been like, oh yeah, you're going to do Travis's podcast? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, she knew what band I'd probably end up doing. And I told her. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I loved that band. They had such great songs. You know, our mother. That's awesome. <laughs> is like, I loved Bad Religion. 
our evangelical mother and our father, I told him you were doing the podcast and he's like, what is he doing? I'm like, uh, bad religion. And he's like, oh, yeah, I might listen to that one. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hi dad. <laughs> Hi dad. Yeah. I guess some things I'd like to point out is my wife was always in choir when she was in middle school, high school and hearing her sing these songs, <laughs> it just like, it grabbed me up, man. Yeah. So being able to share this band with Sherry when we were driving to work or going places was memorable and i still remember her driving in the truck singing songs from bad religion skateboarding with dominic and bill at the bank in heartland uh, aaron showing up our car doors being open blasting bad religion cops chasing us away us coming back um me yeah i, I listen to it a lot with you also me travis B. <laughs> yeah thank you uh, in your bedroom listening there. to this yeah i was <laughs> getting there <laughs> <laughs> sure you and i've been in uh, my bedroom always your room never mind yeah you didn't have very much space in your room <laughs> okay <laughs> ground space free open ground space <laughs> but i had the uh what was it sega or you had the genesis in there yeah genesis and we'd play games and mortal kombat a lot yeah oh and gauntlet we play gauntlet a lot too oh yeah and then blast that music and i remember <laughs> Lots of fun times. I was just being able to chill in there and and actually have good brotherly interactions. We had plenty. I make jokes, but we had more than plenty. We had a good amount. And I think bad religion and punk rock in general was one of the things that helped bind us together, which I'm really grateful for. I agree. And whenever we drove anywhere and I was the oldest and I had to drive, you know, you're going to be suffering to bad religion suffer or or (laughs) (laughs) something like that oh that reminds me you've been praising their vocabulary i do gotta jump in though at one point he talks about the vector of suffrage like he's talking like what the fuck does that mean the the vector of voting rights (laughs) yeah yeah, i think he means suffrage suffrage? (laughs) yeah he says suffrage but i'm pretty sure he means suffering that's my nitpick for the album Stuck out to me, like, dude, why, why are you talking about suffrage? But you know, I bet that's one of those things that, you know, now he 100% knows what it means and knows you fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, nothing's worse oh, yeah. than having something like recorded forever and you're like, you have to hear it over and over again. I'd be like, oh, that's where I, that's where I said suffrage when I meant to say suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, there's definitely things like that. Every time I hear a song, I have to admit, there's always something I go back to. I'm like, oh, I don't remember that part in the song. That makes me think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you being a professor and the intellectual, you'd be like, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to make sure everyone knows. <laughs> no, but <laughs> dude, yeah, there were some good times. I, I really had some good times. Likewise. All right. So I've got one last question for you on 90s related question, not related to bad religion. I've talked a little bit here about MTV. We watched a lot of MTV, particularly for the animation. At late at night, they would have animation. Liquid TV. All right. So I'm going to ask you about a bunch of different animated TV shows from the era, not including liquid television, because I knew that you would say that that would be your favorite. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I figured it's a safe guess, because, I mean, liquid television was, I think, an influence for both of us. Introductory. Yeah, it was really kind of instrumental in exposing us to quite a few different things, I think. I'm going to talk about some shows that came out of liquid television or they were on around the same time. And then you can tell me which one you think is the best one. You're able to sit down now today and spend some time with this show. Which one would you choose? So you might remember that a couple shows came out. Actually, a few shows came out of liquid television, such as Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) 
that it premiered on March 8th, 1993, after being part of Liquid Television for some time. It's like one of the many shorts that was included in that. The genius of Mike Judd. Mike Judd? Judge. Is that a Freudian slip? Yes. <laughs> and then also stemming out of Beavis and Butthead, not too long after that, in 97, you got Daria, which was the spinoff yeah. from Beavis and Butthead. Also coming out of liquid television was what we were obsessed with for some time before it became a TV show, which was, of course, Aeon Flux. Yeah. Aeon Flux with the, the licking the fly in the eye and all that weird Yep. We're uh, young boys and the scantily clad uh, <laughs> death assassin, Aeon Flux. Yes. We were, we were into that. We were into it. Some reason. <laughs> and then lastly, there was MTV's Oddities. Behold the wonderment that is MTV's Oddities. Do you remember MTV's Oddities? It was like this show where it had two different shows in one. One was called The Head, and it was literally just this dude with this giant head, like this weird purple kind of demon friend. And the other was um, The Max. Remember The Max? The Max. From Sam Keith. The, yes, the artist. I do remember the Max. Okay. Yeah, and the way he drew the female in that was so on the show different. Yeah, so different than comic book artists in the day. Like everyone was like Jim Lee's females were just like toned goddesses, and this one was she looked like a normal woman. Does this dude ring any bells for you? Yes, he does. Remember this looks guy like a with giant the... ball sack? Yeah. Yes, he had a head like a giant inflated ball sack, and his little purple demon friend. Uh, they were like that would not make my list that would not make your list okay so those are still your options the head the max beavis and butthead eon flux the actual show right or daria which one are you going with i think i would go with back then i would probably jump onto the Eon flux i probably would watch that yeah and then i'd pick up the max comic book <laughs> the, the comic book <laughs> yeah the comic book yeah yeah, I remember being really disappointed at Eon Flux, the TV show, because it was almost like I liked it better on Liquid Television when it was oh. in little tiny clips. Most definitely. You know, getting like a full half hour was like, okay, this is too much. I liked it better when I didn't know what the fuck the context was. Like, I didn't know what the story was. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Going back to the Bad Religion, <laughs> the long episode was very much capitalized and uh, mm. was not very good because... They cared more about money than getting their art across. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. So you're, you're bringing it like an anti-capitalistic kind <laughs> yeah. of Greg Graffin thing. Yeah. I can dig that. Thank you. I think if I had to go back, then I would have gone with Beavis and Butthead. Now I think I'd go with either the Max or the Head. Yeah? Yeah, just because they're so weird and kind of obscure and rare. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if it was right now, I would choose the Max just to watch that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Max then. We'll say right now because we don't have a time to shoot. Oh, right now? Right now. Stop what you're doing. We're going to watch the Max. Yeah. If you were like, stop what you're doing, gun to your head, <laughs> answer this question, <laughs> what are we going to watch? I'm going to say the Max. Yeah. All right. No more guns to heads. I will disarm myself here. Right. My brother Judd, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It means a lot to me that you do it. I've already talked about you so much, and I'm going to continue to talk about you and the influence you've had on my life and bad religion as well. So I appreciate it very much, man. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of your podcast, and I wish I could have mentioned uh, more memories with good friends like Dave and Steve and those times on our couch. Just think about how many times it was you, me, and Dave and Steve. Mm -hmm. 
and Gracie on our couch playing video games, listening to music. Those were great times to be able to, you know, talk about those times back then with you. It was fun. That was my brother Judd Roy talking about the album Recipe for Hate by Bad Religion. Didn't he do a good job? Yeah, I think he got out of his comfort zone a little bit to do that with me, and I really appreciate it. If you want to be on the show, you want to talk about a specific album that you're into from the year 1993 or 1994, hit me up. I'm on social media. Uh, you can email me at 9394podcast at gmail.com if you want. Perhaps you like political punk rock from the year 1993. And that would include Propagandi and their album, How to Clean Everything. But wait a minute, Dad. Did you actually say freedom? Well, if you're dumb enough to vote, you're fucking dumb enough to believe them. Because if this country is so goddamn free, then I can burn your fucking flag wherever I damn well please. And then I'm gonna stick it up your fucking ass! Perhaps you want to come on and talk about that. That would make sense, right? You're a bad religion fan. Maybe you're a propaganda fan too. Whatever you're a fan of, if it's from the year 1993 or 1994 and it's not something that I actively dislike, I will probably be very down to talk about it on this show. By all means, let me know if you're interested in coming on the show. And I think that will about, um, yeah, yep, yeah, bye-bye. podcast with Travis Roy is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized. Please don't sue. Hi, welcome to Stealth. Craig and Brett on paper are very different. Brett dropped out of high school and eventually became this tycoon of Epitaph. Yeah. And Greg became a professor. But uh, when they were 15 and they were trying to come up with a name, they're like, "Let's just find the most offensive thing as we can." <laughs> Greg Raffin had mentioned something about. He's like, "I remember something that we shot down." 
One was vaginal discharge. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go with that. <laughs> so was he. And the other one was head cheese. Both That's of funny. which, very gross. <laughs> you know, but they were 15. They uh, they were looking for something that would jump out at people, and uh, bad religion was it. It worked. That name that comes from the same attitude, like let's call our band the Dead Kennedys, or let's call our band the Circle Jerks. Like there's something right. very specifically provocative punk rock. Yeah. My religious views back then, 13, 14, was when I did kind of come to my decisions. And um, a lot of people assumed, I, I, I assumed that a lot of people thought that I jumped to Bad Religion because of the name and no. what that would imply, you know. But those skate tapes that were on continuous loop for me, Dominic and Bill, was you'd listen to all these great songs and just these melodies and harmonies that were that I could understand the lyrics, you know, and it was just great. And I'm doing what I think is right, and they will certainly deserve it. And I 